Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wilkes-Barre's Grant to Penguins podcast. I'm Michael Bryan here with Nick Hart. It is the week of October 15th and Wilkes-Barre Scranton coming off a weekend in which they picked up four out of a possible six points on their three game three day stretch and back to 500. So Nick when it's all said and done I mean a home and home series versus Lehigh Valley goes pretty well and then the Penguins finish up their weekend with an exclamation point a 6-1 victory over the reigning Eastern Conference champion Sunday here in Northeast Pennsylvania. That is correct. The Penguins get their first two wins of the 2017-18 season and outscore their opponents 11-1 to in those two Ws. And it really seemed like they were they were close to stealing a point down in Lehigh Valley. They were down 3 nothing in the third period, came back to make it interesting, but never managed that late-game equalizer. So I guess if you split a home-at-home with a division rival, a team that finished with the second-best record in the conference last year, had the best offense in the league last year, and you split with them, I guess you'll take that. Four out of a possible six points. Yeah, things are looking up for the Penguins. I like it. I started talking about this during the post-game show on Sunday after the big 6-1 win for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, but it's kind of been feast or famine for this squad in terms of, well, the offense has exploded in the wins. Like you said, they've outscored the opposition 11-1. A, a tough season opening loss against Charlotte and then just missing out, like you said, on the points Saturday down in Lehigh Valley. So when it's been good, it's been good. When it's been not so great, well, it's it's left a little bit to be desired. But at the same time, you you can already see what this team is possible, what is possible for this team and the potential that is there. Yeah, you can see what they're capable of, yeah. and that is truly dominant victories. That's what they did against the Phantoms. I just sort of read off their resume a few seconds ago, but they did the same thing to Syracuse. They've had a little bit of turnover, but they're still the reigning Eastern Conference champions. They're a good team. You can see their talent. The Penguins just absolutely took it to them. That was a matchup of what it shook out to be speed versus physicality. Uh, the Syracuse Crunch finished every single one of their hits, connected with some real bone rattlers, but that's because they were chasing the Penguins the entire game. The Penguins' speed was giving them fits. They were turning the puck over to the Penguins all night long. The Penguins completely outpossessed them, which is why Syracuse had all the opportunities to deliver those hits, and it wore them down over time. Only one nothing after the first period when it felt like it should have been more, but the floodgates opened up in the later periods, and the Penguins, that 6-1 that score is very telling as to the way the game went. The Penguins were as dominant as the score would suggest. Well, in terms of players that have had a fast start this season, and again, we're only four games deep. We have 68 more to go, not even 68, sorry, 72 more to go. Yeah. Don't sell us short. I know. Sorry. That's another home I'm, game I'm, in there. I'm hoping for the 72-game schedule. No, we <laughs> still have 76. So, yes, yeah, 72 games to go after this. And, well, if you're talking about fast starts for the Penguins, well, it doesn't begin and end with, but it definitely starts with Daniel Sprong, the rookie with goals in Who? all four games so far. Daniel Sprong, you've heard of this guy? <laughs> I think he's going to be okay. He's, he's, he's got a shot from what I hear. Yeah, we knew Daniel Sprong was going to be good. I mean, he played in the NHL as an 18-year-old. I guess it's easy to forget that because he ended up going back to junior and then started the season on the shelf last year with an injury and spent the rest of the year in Charlottetown. But he did what he was supposed to do in junior last year, which as an older player with that kind of offensive skill set, and that's put the buck in the back of the net a ton. And he did that with aplomb. More goals than he had games played. He shows up here with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, and he's just continued that mean streak. The puck finds the back of the net for Daniel Sprong. It doesn't matter if other teams know that he's getting the puck. Those shots are going to get through. They're going to test goaltenders. Can you imagine how many more goals he'd had if maybe, say, a couple one-timers on the power play didn't go like an inch wide of the post? Or hit the post itself. It, or, yeah, exactly. A couple crossbars, a post. Uh, there was that game down in Lehigh Valley that the Penguins lost. Sprong could have easily had a hat trick if the puck is on a millimeter different trajectory one way or another, so it goes post in instead of post out. This guy's dynamite with the puck on his stick, and the Penguins know it, so they keep giving him the puck, and he keeps rewarding their confidence by firing it home and tickling the twine. It's funny because you think of truly great teams or great players or at least good teams and good players, and – something that stands in the back of my mind that a good team you know what they're going to do but they still do it and mm -hmm. execute it well yeah everyone knows that they're setting up sprong for the one-timer and they still can't stop it yeah and i know we still have a lot of season to go maybe somebody finally figures out the magic sequence to shut down that one-timer but right now you even see players 
coming out specifically trying to play close to Sprong. The Penguins will then work it around the other side until that guy moves away. Boom, one-timer scoring chance for the Penguins or maybe even a goal. It's very similar, now different sports here, um, to Steph Curry and what makes Steph Curry so great for the Golden State Warriors. You know he's going to shoot the three. He's made the most threes in NBA history. Why don't you just stop him? You can't. He's that good at it. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously, Daniel Sprung still very young and still trying to round out his complete game. Mm -hmm. But it's very exciting to see him get almost Alexander Ovechkin attention on the power play so far. A, a heady comparison, to be sure. But, you oh, know, don't let him hear you say that. He'd love that. <laughs> you can tell by the way he tapes his stick. He's watched plenty of Alex Ovechkin highlights on YouTube growing well, up. Well, you got that one-timer from the left circle. It looks pretty similar, though definitely different numbers. But in terms of other hot starts, I mean, I think you need to talk about Casey Smith as well. And granted, the Penguins played better in front of Casey Smith than they did in the two losses when Tristan Jari was getting the starts. But the Smith stats are outstanding through his first two starts, a .50 goals against average and a shutout last Friday against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And the stat that I really like throwing out there is that he hasn't allowed a goal at even strength yet. The only goal, the only puck that got past him so far this season, only two games, but the only puck that got past him was a five-on-three power play goal for the Syracuse Crunch that redirected off of his own teammate and into the top corner. Right. No chance. Right. That's the only puck that's gotten past Casey to Smith. He's been great. <laughs> like, I don't. there's no reason yeah, no. to really expand on it beyond – He's allowed one goal, none at even strength, and his save percentage is through the roof. What I will expand on is that Tristan Jari played very well down in Lehigh Valley on Tough Saturday. Tough luck loser. And probably deserved a better fate than the 3-2 loss. As just uh, some tough turnovers for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and Tristan Jari doing all he can to bail his team out. Unfortunately, just wasn't enough, and the Penguins not doing enough on offense to overcome those defensive lapses. But when it's all said and done, you can't complain about 2-2 two and two through the first four games. And in terms of a fast start in his first game for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, it turns out it's not a three-point game. He had an assist taken away, so it's only oh. a goal and an assist. But still, what a debut in the AHL and for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton for second-year pro Gage Quinney. And he started to look a lot more comfortable as the game went on, such was the case in the preseason. Uh, with every passing preseason game, Quinney looked more and more comfortable with the Penguins. You can see how good he is down low, below the goal line, just makes crazy plays happen, puts the puck through minuscule windows to set up teammates right in the slot or atop the crease. Uh, he did that a few times against Syracuse, started winning more of those battles as the game went along. And, yeah, he did get an assist taken away, but still a really, really strong showing from Gage Quinney getting a goal and an apple. Well, since then, uh, some news out of Pittsburgh as th of this recording on Wednesday. Chris Summers returns to the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins assigned late Tuesday night. But maybe another defenseman going up. We don't know because yeah. Ian Cole returns after that gruesome injury in which he lost a bunch of teeth, mm -hmm. some of his jaw, blocking a Roman Yossi slap shot. Uh, by the way, uh, you had the scoop from the scoop in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Ian Cole, in case you didn't hear, fans, Ian Cole's dad is a dentist. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Sam Werner, got out there, got the story that uh, <laughs> Ian Cole, who just lost got the scoops. countless chiclets in that collision with the puck, um, his dad's a dentist. So, so sure an that'll make probably an some, advisor on this uh, scenario, in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Or at the very least, make for some interesting Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner fodder at the family <laughs> dinner table. Oh, those crazy dental stories you all exchange at the holiday, at the holidays yeah, with family exactly. and friends. That's how I imagine it's going at the Cole household from <laughs> now on. Well, so Ian Cole comes back 10 days after getting, that drilled, getting in the drilled in the face. But Matt Hunwick gets put on IR. So that's six healthy defensemen right now for Pittsburgh. You have to imagine that someone's getting called up here from Wilkes-Barre Scranton, whether it's Summers again or someone else on the blue line for the Penguins here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. We will see, but still, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton's depth at blue line, stout, and they showed it this weekend with the loss of Summers for all three games. Yeah, Chris Summers only played in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton's opening night game against the Charlotte Checkers. Penguins without his services for the 3-3, three and three, and they did an excellent job. All three defense, or I shouldn't say all three defensemen, all the defensemen that did play in all three games of the 3-3 three and three, uh, performed marvelously. Uh, I think Frank Corrado had an exceptional weekend for a guy. You mentioned his name a lot. We did. Uh, he got a goal and an assist. 
So he got some points to show for his efforts, but defensively he was just rock solid. Lucas Bankson was great. Zach Trotman really starting to settle in with the Penguins after that scare on opening night where we were like, oh, no, is he gone for a significant amount of time again? Nope, he's back in the lineup on Friday, plays Saturday and Sunday as well. Kevin Churchman starting to look really good for the Penguins. He's quickly adjusting to the system. And a great guy to talk to. We actually will have him on yep. our podcast yep, yep, later yep. on. And I don't know why this is. This is a completely random aside. But whenever I walk in the locker room, he just seems to be the first person I run into every Coincidentally? time. Coincidentally. I've every had that time. same thing. Like, he's just around. And always smiling. Always a hello. Like, great to see yeah. you. Just, love having him in the organization right now. Yeah. My, my path through the locker room in the morning, like, I'll drop off the newspaper clips to the coaches. So, I always see the coaches first thing in the morning. Tim Marmy. Nikki, how you doing? JD, Nick, how you doing? Madison Nickel, the video coach, then Clark, Donatelli. And then I'll walk towards the back just to, you know, see what guys are around. And the first guy I always run into is Kevin Churchman. And he's on the other side of the locker room. Yeah. So he has no reason to be in your initial line of sight. Or we're always intercepting on perpendicular paths. Like he's going to get a cup of coffee or grab a water out of the fridge. It's kind of uncanny that you mentioned that. That's weird. Yeah, it is. But definitely, I mean – Enjoy running into him first uh, almost every day. Great guy. Great guy. Super guy. Loves the game. Yep. And he loves the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast, I'm hoping. I, I'm i confident that he will. If he doesn't already, he He's will <laughs> by the end of this show. <laughs> so, yes, we will talk to Kevin Churchman later on. Speaking of later on, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins continue a mini homestand here with two games this weekend against the Laval Rocket in town for the first time ever in their inaugural season as the Rocket up in Quebec. And then Saturday, the Hartford Wolfpack, who haven't had a good start to the season. But let's start with the Rocket. Yes. And this is basically this year's edition of the St. John's Ice Caps as the Montreal Canadiens bring their AHL affiliates a little closer to home and a lot of great players from last year, again, on this year's squads. When you th- squad, when you think of Chris Terry, mm-hmm. Daniel Carr, Daniel Audette, Nikita Sherbach, but... They added some, well, I think one big weapon, specifically on the blue line, and it shows that he's been a nice addition. I mean, he's leading the team in scoring right now with seven points. Oh, you're talking about Matt Taramina? Oh, yeah. Seven points in four games leads the Laval Rocket, the reigning AHL defenseman of the year. That was a big ad, big ad for the Montreal Canadiens organization. Not only, I think, the Canadiens expect him to play a handful of games in the NHL uh, this year when need be, but he's just – he's a big boon for that blue line. I think that's something that St. John's was missing last year. I was just about to say that. Dynamic offensive defenseman who – they had guys that were okay at moving the puck up the ice, but Tayermina at times feels like an automatic breakout. And whenever you're in the O-zone, he dictates the play, even strength and on the power play, and he's showing it already. He's playing in the blue Blanca Rouge, and he has seven points in four games. I mean, they had Mark Barbario last year who – could have been that guy, but, but he's, he's not. Only, but he was he's only not. he was only around for twenty games. Yeah, you know, Matt Teramina, I mean, great season Syracuse. I've liked him all the way back to his Lowell Devils days, and so that's that's an already dangerous lineup that becomes that much more potent with Matt Teramina around. And you look at the stats so far this season, and well, I mean, the offense has definitely been there for the Laval Rockets so far. I mean, mm-hmm. we we talked about that crazy 8-7 overtime victory over the Binghamton Devils last weekend. Right now, the Rocket are 3-1 on the season, 18 goals in four games. So most av- in the league. Yeah, most in the league. They've also allowed 14 yep. goals. So, <laughs> you know, pick your poison there. But it should be a fun one. And, listen, Wilkes-Barre Scranton, a big reason for their success last year was their record against North Division teams. 17-7, 1-1, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. So far, 1-0 this season. And a good early test against what could be the class of the North Division. I think at the very least, it's going to be a fun game based on those numbers you just read. We know they have skill. We know they have talent. So in terms of the eye test, they'll be electrifying to watch. They're putting the puck in the back of the net, but they're also giving up a ton of goals. <laughs> uh, it's exciting times so far in the early goings of the history of the Laval Rocket. I'm interested to see where this team goes moving forward because right now they kind of have that feel as a team, I think, as someone who can run rough shot, put up a ton of points in the regular season, and then maybe hit the skids in the playoffs whenever things get a little bit tighter. 
Um, we've seen that happen to the team before in the past, but we're only four games into the season. It's a little too early to make sweeping generalizations about a team at this yet. You just kind of get a little feeling with the way things are going early on for them that that might be the case. So don't forget Friday night, the Laval Rockets are in town. And then Saturday, an Atlantic Division matchup against the Hartford Wolfpack, who finished last in the AHL last season. Dead and last. Dead last. And, well, where can they go but up? And we saw opening night against Charlotte, a pretty good team, but allowing five goals in a 5-4 loss. And you thought, oh, no, maybe here we go again if you're Hartford. But they're an improved roster. How much improved? We shall see. But so far... Near the top of the Atlantic Division standings, they're 3-1 on coming in to the weekend on a three-game winning streak, and it looks like Chris Nell and Nett has made somewhat of a difference there. Also, the addition of Philip Heedle from the New York Rangers. Yes, exactly. And Before we get into the roster and the players suiting up for the Hartford Wolfpack right now, I want to talk about their path to their record right now, which is tied for first in the Atlantic Division with the Charlotte Checkers. They lose that first game by one goal to Charlotte, a game where Charlotte didn't really have the lead until five minutes left in the third period or something like that. Right. Even later, and it, was it was opening night, and mm -hmm. neither team looking all that great early. So here we go. One goal game. Then a shootout victory against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, ostensibly one goal game. They beat the Toronto Marlies 5-2 to two with two empty netters in the last 30 seconds of the game. It's Essentially a one goal game. And then they beat the Springfield Thunderbirds 4-3. to three. So you have a one goal game. Right. These are really tight contests with the Hartford Wolfpack, ones that appear to be coming right down to the wire with them. Well, if you ask maybe people around the Hartford Wolfpack last season, mm -hmm. what was the reason for their lack of success? One thing I think you and I both heard was the Wolfpack were making just enough mistakes to lose. Oh, yeah. This year, so far, again, it's just four games in, they are doing just enough to win. So these are games probably a year ago that they're not winning. And, hey, so much season to go, but you can do worse than winning three of the first four by essentially one goal. I mean, if those are the types of games you can learn to win early in the season, that's going to pay off as you go through the rest of the year. Maybe, or, counterpoint, I'll present the other side of the argument, is that Chris Nell, their new goaltender right now, is having an excellent start to the season. Is he masking those same mistakes that they're making, and eventually it will come back to bite them and it'll be same old Hartford Wolfpack. Well, that's why you have the 76-game regular season schedule. Exactly, but I think it's it interesting that pretty much every game they've played so far has been a one-goal game. Well, I mean, obviously we hope for nothing but Penguins' dominance in the Atlantic Division, but I like things when the Hartford Wolfpack are a, a good team. I mean, I didn't mind sweeping the season series from them last year, but I think the... Atlantic Division rivalry when the teams are better. I know it just makes for better hockey and, and definitely more entertaining for us to call. Maybe not so much for the fans. They want to <laughs> see a 7 nothing win every time. But, uh, you know, when you see a team that is, has been in the basement and in the doldrums one season, you want them to improve a little bit. Yeah, and even though I was just playing devil's advocate with you there, just on paper, this team is so much better than they were last year. They are. They've added some... Really good players. You got Scott Kosmachuk, who was a teammate of Kevin Churchman last year with Manitoba. Uh -huh. And, you know, the one that stands out for me is Joe Whitney. Any team he's on or joins becomes better, it seems. Yeah, and what, didn't he get banged up last year? Didn't the he? year before with Bridgeport. Last year he was in. I, he was in San Antonio, Antonio, but I think he missed a ton of time. Like, he didn't actually get to take off with that team. I remember him was two seasons ago with. Bridgeport, he was limited to 36 games. Last year, he actually played 55 games with okay. San Antonio before being traded to Tucson. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. He didn't spend the whole games. year with So it was that 2015-16 season that he was just on fire, 33 points in 36 games, and unfortunately... Then he got hurt. Yeah. yeah. It just ended too early for him, but uh, he's approaching now almost to his 400th game pro. Wow, it seems like he just turned pro out of Boston <laughs> College yesterday. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so lucky for the Penguins, he's back in the Atlantic Division. <laughs> so now he's in the fold. Cole Schneider, who led the yeah. Rochester Americans in goals last year, is now on that team. And you mentioned um, Philip Heitel earlier, or Heitel, pardon yeah. me. Um, he was a guy I thought the Penguins might take a look at with their pick late in the first round. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe when they saw him go off the board uh, to the New York Rangers, that's when they really started giving serious consideration to that trade they made, sure. trading away that first-round pick to the St. Louis Blues. He's a really intriguing combination of size, speed, and skill. He already 
measures at six foot two on his draft day. Um, and his family genes, I'm pretty sure his dad showed up to the combine and his dad's something like six foot five. <laughs> like that's a play that the agent made. Like there's no reason for your dad to come to the combine if you're from the Czech Republic. That's a specific play made by the agent. Be like, hey, come show these guys what you could even grow into. But yeah. gamesmanship. He, he's he's good on his feet for a guy who's big and probably growing. Plays a power forward style. Has effortless acceleration up the ice, um, and he plays that pro style, which is why it's no surprise that the Rangers were confident uh, not letting him stay over in Sweden to groom his skills, coming over right away, playing some games for the New York Rangers, and now down with the Hartford Wolfpack. And three points in his last games and his second game for Hartford. Meanwhile, don't forget about guys like Matt Pumple, who's oh, yeah. there. And maybe this is the season that it all comes together for Bunievis and Adam Tambellini, now amazingly already in his third year of professional hockey. Yeah, and he's off to a hot start. Three goals in their first four games. Uh, we've seen this story before from Adam Tambellini. Had a rocketing start to his rookie season and really started to taper off. Bit of a sophomore slump last year, but he's trying to right that ship right now. Um, and we talked about this in the two-man advantage team previews that we did back in the summer. I really like Neil Pionk on defense. He only has one point right now, but he's a defenseman who's the sum of all of his parts, not just scoring. Sure. Yeah, I'm really excited to get a chance to watch him play. Well, it should be a fun weekend, nevertheless, and another... Weekend at home, Friday and Saturday, the Laval Rocket are in town. And then Saturday, the Hartford Wolfpack sweep into the Wyoming Valley. So come on down. 570-208-PEN is the number to call if you want to get your tickets. And if you can't make it down, you can tune in on your home for Penguins Hockey, WILK News Radio on Friday. Saturday, we're going to be streaming live on WILKNewsRadio.com because of the conflict with Penn State football. But either way, if you're listening online, WILKNewsRadio.com, the way to go. And you can also watch online at AHLLive.com. We're going to take a quick break here. What's on next? The pod- oh, I'm going to tell you. We're going to take a quick break here on the podcast. When we return, we'll be joined by Penguins defenseman Kevin Churchman. We'll see if he likes the podcast. When we come back. Hello and welcome back here on the World's Greatest Grants Penguins podcast. I'm Mike O'Brien with Nick Hart. This week's guest on the podcast is Penguins defenseman Kevin Churchman in his first season with the Penguins organization four games deep into the Wilkes Bridge Grantham Penguins career. And I know it's only, what, we're two weeks into it, but how's it going so far? It's unbelievable, yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying it, and it's been a long off season, so it's, it's nice to start playing games for real this time. You guys, you guys have almost had like a college hockey esque schedule. You can appreciate <laughs> that being from yeah. Lake Superior State. You know, long weeks of practice, Friday and Saturday games, and a long week of practice, Friday Saturday games. Have you liked the college schedule, or are you more like, hey, let's let's get going here? Well, I, I like it a lot more because uh, I mean, you sleep in your your own bed like six or seven nights pretty much a week. So. Last year, when I was in Manitoba in the West Western Division, it was a lot of travel. So we'd play like the Wednesday night games, and we wouldn't play three and three. So it'd just be like every other day, pretty much we're going. So, you know, I I really don't mind it. I mean, it's part of this division, and uh, it's a grind, but it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I gotta imagine that you have now been from the Eastern Conference with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers to the Western Conference with Manitoba, back to the Eastern Conference with Wilkesbury Scranton. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the differences. And if you're comfortable, what you prefer, which conference, no pressure. The differences is uh, travel-wise, yeah, just in terms of the day-to-day. The, the biggest thing is the travel. Yeah. Like, it, it felt like uh, we, we'd fly everywhere last year, and we were like all over like the country, really. And we were because we were in Manitoba. It's pretty much in the middle of nowhere, considering uh, where the geographically the conferences lined up. But, no, I, I think um, – it doesn't really matter where you play. At, at the end of the day, it's the team you're with. And, uh, you know, all, all the three places I played were great places to play. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm really liking it here in Wilkes so far. And uh, it's, a, it's a great room and a great group of guys. And I can't say enough good things about the coaches. And I think coming right into Pittsburgh, too, like, they just, like, embraced you as part of, like, being part of, like, the, the, the whole culture and the family. And I think that was really important and made you feel like part of the – part of the culture yeah well we're happy to hear that the penguins organization made you feel at home but now that you are i guess ostensibly home for the season i mean what has this transition been like for you life-wise going from the peg to now northeastern pennsylvania <laughs> yeah. i mean i 
didn't pack as many winter jackets. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you'll need a few, but probably yeah. not as many. <laughs> no, but it, it's been good. Like really good. Like um, you know, I settled in. I'm at East Mountain. It's a uh, okay. great spot to be. It honestly feels like a ski lodge up there. It's like it's a pretty cool little spot. And uh, you know, like guys like Garrett Wilson helping you find a place, TK, and uh, yeah, it's 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 an awesome spot to be. I I really like the city. Like it has everything for shopping and all that. Good restaurants. So I, I really can't complain. Now, what was your shortest trip? Back in Manitoba, <laughs> I mean, I, assuming you fly everywhere, That's no matter a good what. Question. Is it what? Iowa? Is it Milwaukee? It'd be Iowa, but like we do a lot of things. So we'd fly, say, we'd fly to San Antonio, play mm-hmm. San Antonio, and then we'd bus to Texas. Sure. And then we'd bus back to San Antonio. Then we'd fly to, to say, then play some California teams and bus around the California loop a little bit. So it'd be like a two-week road trip by the end of it. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. Like if you like in February, everyone in Winnipeg's like. It's my, I don't know what Celsius to Fahrenheit is, but it's like minus 25 Celsius and we're cold. Like, I think that yeah. translates yeah. to cold and we're Fahrenheit. jetting out for a two week road trip down to like San Diego and whatnot. So that part was cool. Like that's it. And I've never been to California in my life. So it, like that was pretty cool to see all that. But no, I, I like being on the East Coast. It's a little uh, closer to home for me, too. So my parents can come see a lot more games. Now you're from Ontario. How do you say your hometown? Port Elgin. Elgin. Yeah, the Americans say Elgin a lot here. Port Elgin. 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 Port <laughs> Elgin, eh? Port yeah. Elgin, Ontario. Elgin, yeah. Now, where is that in Ontario for our fans out there listening who are unfamiliar with your hometown? So it's like uh, it's on the western part of Ontario, and it's like two and a half hours from uh, Toronto and about two hours north from Detroit. Okay. So it's near Owen Sound. Like there's the Owen Sound attack uh-huh. where Garrett Wilson played, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a small town, um, about ten thousand people, and pretty much hockey that's about that's it that's all <laughs> hockey all the yeah, time it's a big hockey town i feel like that describes a lot of <laughs> talents in canada <laughs> small know. town they love hockey yeah <laughs> so you grew up in a town of about ten thousand, where it was all hockey all the time yeah um but you end up at american university lake superior state so yeah take us down that yeah. winding road well uh it kind of just fell into my lap kind of not not fell in my lap but i mean so I, I never really grew when I was younger. So I was always like a late bloomer. I was always five five. Like, like I was a tall kid growing up. But then I hit like the everyone's hitting puberty. Everyone's growing. I wasn't growing. I was <laughs> <laughs> staying the same. And like when you're fourteen, fifteen, and like you're just trying to go into like major junior, and you're five five as a little defenseman. You're not. It's it's pretty like the the odds are stacked against you. But then you know I stuck with it and uh, started just playing like junior C, junior B, and then uh, Lake State. T- took a shot on me and I uh, kind of that was probably the, the best moment of my hockey career getting a scholarship just from like uh, how far I came from a couple of years back being that 5-5 five, five defenseman to getting a scholarship was pretty special for me. So then how old were you when you did eventually sprout back up again from 5-5 five, five to what 6-3? Yeah that was like I was probably like 18 or 19 when I okay. <laughs> fully and then I, I grew another inch at college even too. Yeah so, so that's that's that pretty much your draft year that you just yeah explode up wow. yeah i guess not too many scouts go to the junior c yeah games in <laughs> nhl scouts you don't yeah. see too many there but no it's it was a, it was a cool little uh journey and uh you know it definitely it definitely helped me shape the person i am today well one of the guys you skated with at lake superior state is now your <laughs> your pairing partner for the books for yeah. his penguins zach trotman i guess you can go home again or you can <laughs> you, you can reunite a hockey such a small world it is. but did you guys skate together at college at all on a pairing too much? All the time. All the time. Really? So and like, here you are again. Right when I right when I went into college, he kind of took me under his wing, and like uh, we started playing together right away. We had a ton of chemistry, and then we hung out a lot off the ice. We roomed together on the road, and it's amazing how it comes full circle like that. But, uh, you know, we, we always kept tabs on each other, like kept in touch throughout our pro careers here when he was in Boston, I was in New York and whatnot. So it's uh, – it's been a it's been a crazy little uh, journey, but it's fun to, funny to get back playing with them. So, was there any sort of I'll, I'll call it I'll use this word collusion in free agency? <laughs> no. If you guys stayed in touch, did, or is it just coincidence that no. you end up signing with the Penguins? I think stuff ha- it happens so quick. Yeah, that July July first around there. So uh, you know what I mean? Like it's you're trying to talk to your parents, your agent, your girlfriend, everyone. Boom boom. Like it's yeah. I, no, there's no real collusion like that, but. Uh, no, it's it's awesome that it worked out that way, and you know I can't be, I couldn't be happier being with them. That, so <laughs> I guess since you're on the podcast first, we can ask you this, and I'm sure we'll ask him once we get him on as well. Here but we go. Zach <laughs> Zach Trotman back in college compared to Zach Trotman, the pro player, uh, 
similar, different? Oh, as a, as a player? Yeah. Uh, no, as a person. As a person? I mean, as a person, yeah. Um, easily, exa- yeah, exact same. Same old kid that, like, took me in. Like, just a great guy. Like, just yeah. down to earth. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about him. You know, he's he's one of my best friends on the team and best friends off the team. So, like, it's uh, – Well, and I don't want you to say anything bad about him, but do you have any good stories from college that are – worthy and or uh (laughs) (laughs) airable or podcastable uh let me think no he's uh i think we used to actually yeah i do (laughs) (laughs) here we go no no yes i do put your feet up we used to to have a thing uh like a smartathon at school a what a a smartathon like where we'd get the guys that we always thought weren't the smartest whatever and they'd have like battles to find out who the like so like Jeopardy, what would but it, it'd be random questions. We'd throw like an algebra stuff on the okay. board and stuff like that. And I think he was in the little mix of like four or five guys that was like the the lower end of like the intelligence on the team. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So, all right. Oh, I hope he's not listening to this. Well, uh, don't worry, it's only going to be live over the internet forever yeah. um, <laughs> at, at some point. Yeah. And to be fair, we I mean we will get him on yeah. and allow him an opportunity to respond. Oh, yeah. in, in kind. Yeah. So. But yeah. no, but no punches thrown in the meantime. Please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll like it. So then, how do the smartathons play out then? So it's just like a uh, yeah, just a quick like, couple questions, and then you get eliminated if you answer it right, and they, you just if you keep missing it, it's kind of like how we do the shootout at the end okay, of practice. Okay, yeah. And like, so if you score, you're eliminated. But if you don't, then you keep going. And you don't want to be the last. You don't want to be the last guy standing. Yeah. Okay. And where were you in this? Did you ever compete? <laughs> well, if you organize it, then that must be your smart, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you were co- you were commissioner of a <laughs> yeah. smartathon? No, I, I was a rookie or a freshman. So like, I was just kind of like watching it from afar. So, no, right. it was funny. That's okay. hilarious. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a good story from yeah. college that is suitable. Yeah. For the I like there you go. I like that. The smartathon. <laughs> I wonder if we can do that in the office with our team. What do you think? I'm not sure if I want to participate. I'm not sure. <laughs> you, know. Know. you could be commissioner. It's a lose, yeah. lo- I'll be commissioner, too. It's yeah. a lose-lose, that yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, ju- we'll, we'll keep that back at uh, Lakes Up. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. So after you left um, your, uh, left Lake Superior after your junior yeah. year, you got that taste of the NHL right away with the New York Islanders. How yeah. was that to make that leap? And was it just – uh, was it just mind-numbing? Was it deer in headlights? Was it, hey, no problem, I got this? Where were you on that? I think, I, I honestly, like, looking back on it, everything happened so fast there. Like, it was just like your – one day I was in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. I don't know if you know where that yeah, – like, sure. it's the smallest – like, it's like Port Algon, Ontario, where I'm from, 10,000 <laughs> people, and it's just hockey, crazy city. And the next I'm in, like, Long Island, New York, and it's like, boom, you're playing in the NHL. So it, it honestly was, like, literally – I think I played the Sunday or the Saturday. We got eliminated at Lake State, and then the Tuesday I signed with the Islanders. So it was like right away. Like I, there was like no like couldn't even really take a breath after the <laughs> college season. But uh, it was honestly like a great opportunity. They they're a great organization for taking me in like that. And uh, you know I can't say enough good things about them too. I mean you're not the you're not the first collegiate player to be signed as a free agent undrafted after junior year we had a conversation with uh, chad ruedel during a, oh, yeah, yeah. during the off season about his journey from umass lowell to the buffalo sabers so take us through again your path of you know why was the right time to turn pro and how you ended up with the islanders well um for me and my family like education was a big important thing and uh that was one of the things that lake state really helped me with and they worked with me like the professors and our coach like I kind of knew I was going to leave after my junior year, so I uh, I took a lot of summer classes and like I graduated, and that was another big accomplishment in my life. And you know the Islanders were just a good fit at the time. Like they were weak on defense, and then you know I went into training camp the year after, and they made a couple of trades, and uh, you know that's how things shake out. That's hockey, and that's life. So you know you got to move on from it. Well. What do you know now here in your, was it your fourth year pro? Yeah, it moves quick. That you didn't didn't know as a rookie that, you know, you wish you could tell maybe young Kevin Churchman back uh, back in the day. Yeah, honestly, I got a couple things, but (laughs) 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 no, I I think just like control what you can control. I I remember, you know what, you'd have a bad game and you'd take it home with you. Like you got to just leave it at the rink. And that's the biggest thing I learned, like, you can't worry about everything else moving around because it like the hockey world just it there's changes happens every day and you can't predict anything you know just if you just stay on your own court just play just play the course just keep in your own head don't be worried about everything else reading articles whatnot just just play your own game and you'll be fine and that's the biggest thing I 
honestly, it's a, it's a skill to learn. I think you just got to just, it's a mental toughness thing. And, you know, I, I finally grasped it and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I'm a late bloomer, so I guess I'm a late <laughs> bloomer in pro too. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that like, uh, you know, you read a lot of books on it and it, it's, it's something that I, I'm proud of that I, I'm able to do now. All right. Well, let me expand on that question and let's take it back even further. Is there anything you know now that you wish you could impart to Junior C five five shrimpy Kevin Churchman? Yeah. You know what? I I I just tell him this exact same, the like same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Teach like, him earlier. I I like my parents. Both my parents were tall, so I, I knew the the growth spurt was going to happen. And you know what? I think that kind of helped me in the long run. Being a small guy like that is like you, you kind of got to fight. You, nothing came easy for me. Uh huh. So like I kind of had to like scrap my way just to even get to college even. Right. And I kind of went junior C, junior B, junior A. So it's kind of like one of those things where you knew you're going to get the size, but you kind of got to work for it. And it was just the most annoying thing. Like I was drinking chocolate milk. I was like oh. researching it. I'm like, <laughs> how do I get bigger? <laughs> yeah. it was Because <laughs> both my brothers are big guys too. And I'm like, oh my God, like I can't be the. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I have to apologize because I'm hearing your story and I'm hearing my story too. Because yeah. I was the latest bloomer too. The difference between you and me is I never made it to 6'2 or 6'3. Oh yeah. I, you know, the growth spurt came last and then stopped yep. at five eleven. I'm like, come on. But yeah. I, I yep. also, I also grew an inch at college and put on twenty five pounds that were that were much needed at the time yeah. too. So yeah. I feel I feel your pain, but yeah. I'm glad that you got a few more inches and much more athletic <laughs> talent uh, yeah. than I did. Yeah, that's but, also cool though that being as someone who had that experience as a smaller guy, I feel like you said you had to scrap and grind yeah. your way for it. You still have that mentality instilled in you once you got the, the hey. genetic side of things to click. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's tough being a 5-5 five five defenseman playing out there. Like, yeah, you're, you're kind of helpless. <laughs> when, when, when I shouldn't say that. When you're 5-5 five five and you're like, and you're playing against guys that are at, at that age, fully grown, yeah. fully grown men, we were playing in Toronto and like, we we're like, I just couldn't couldn't compete at that. Like, I was still like a thirteen year old boy, and they were sixteen year old. And then at that age, that three extra years really. Oh yeah. So what made you difference. successful? Because again, the size wasn't there. Yeah. You had to scrap for it. I mean, what were your what were your strengths that you were able to bring along with you as you got that growth spurt, as you you know yep. filled out and made to college? Like, what what were what you know what were the strengths of your game? At the time, at the time, it was, co it was skating. Like honestly, that was the biggest thing. I just was a good skater and kind of worked on that. But like, on, on, I can't put a finger on it. It was just like a bunch of like it's it just little things, over and over and over. I guess. Like I still remember, like I'd uh, I'd practice junior C, and we'd only have one practice a week because uh, <laughs> it was, it's junior C, and <laughs> you don't have many practices. So I, I'd find other ice. I'd play like men's league two three times a week. I'd uh, I'd work out as much as I could. Like, it, honestly, other things like that, like, I kind of had to, like, think outside the box almost to kind of replicate the OHL because I knew everyone in the OHL that were, like, my peers, the 91s, were getting the same work in. So I kind of had to, like, find ways to match that almost. And Let me also follow up with a late bloomer question. Yeah. I'm assuming that as this growth spurt was not happening, but you're still able to eat whatever you wanted because the metabolism <laughs> yeah. was just going at 65 miles yeah. per hour. Did you reach a point where you're like, wait, I can't eat everything all the time. Yeah, or pump, <laughs> pump the brakes on this. Pump yeah. the brakes yeah. a little bit. Or like, did you ever have to learn that lesson? Or because you're a professional athlete, the furnace is still burning bright all the time. No, I did. I think, um, I think for a while there I was heavy Kevy and uh, <laughs> heavy Kevy. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> cause oh it, man, you should never said that out. Oh loud, yeah. Though. So uh, no, it uh, it's one of those things that I think it comes with everything else. It's it's one of those like you got to learn what you can eat, what your body can take, and uh, yeah, it's 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 another thing you got to research as well. <laughs> heavy Kevy. <laughs> heavy Kevy. What yeah. was the what was the heavy Kevy era then? Was that college, early pro, even before? No, college? no. This is this is back when I was five five when I was trying oh, okay. to. I was so trying then to. You were, I was trying to compensate for the the lack of and height. You were just so, growing yeah. the wrong way. Yeah. Then you were heavy Kevy, a little bowling <laughs> yeah, ball. Yeah, it, it was more horizontal than vertical. At the yeah, time. exactly. Oh, like see, a fire hydrant. Yeah, but not the like uh, the, the stocky. Guy. Yeah, like the <laughs> yeah. You know the good fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy, heavy. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's a good one, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does Zach know about that one, too? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> God, not. 
What do you do with your off seasons here? Um, what, I mean, between uh, between the end of the postseason, whenever it happens, between you know getting ready for the next season, what do you do when you're not training for all the hockeys? So I um, I actually went on a couple of vacations last year. Okay. So I went to Jamaica and Cuba. I did that, but uh, I live in Toronto in the summers. Actually, Oakville, um, just because. Where I'm from, it's a cottage. It turns right into a, a pure cottage town this summer. There's no ice. There's no, like, real training or anything. So it's nice being around, like, peers in Toronto area where everyone's on the same page, like, working out and skating and all that. But, no, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I, I relax a lot. Like, I go home on weekends, see my parents, hang out with them, my girlfriend. And, uh, no, honestly, I'm pretty uh, pretty easy. Nothing real crazy going on. I, uh, try I feel to like a lot of guys are from Oakville. Like yeah. Scott, Wil- Scott Wilson's Oakville guy. Yeah. I, you know, it's tough yeah. playing a name game in college, let alone in a, <laughs> an entire town. Oh, Oakville. You know Scott? Yeah. yeah. No, no, don't know Scott. Yeah. Do you run it? I mean, are there any, any other NHL players that you run across? Well, yeah, there's – um. so the gym I go to was uh, right in Oakville, and Sezikis works out with us and a couple other, like, AHL guys that I play with. So how I started going there was a, a bunch of Lake State guys actually are from Oakville. So they're like, you know what? There's a good spot we can train this summer. We all went together. And now I'm like the only Lake State guy left there. Me and another guy who plays in uh, Austria now. So mm. it's crazy. There was like eight of us. Now there's only two. Anyone there. we know? Dominic Minardo. He played. Oh, in yeah. He's yeah. Springfield yeah. guy, Springfield, right? Springfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Springfield, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Small world, small eh? Small world. Yeah. Kevin, the Kevin Churchman yeah. game. The Kevin Bacon game. Yeah. <laughs> now, Kev, now Kevin <laughs> Churchman. You got to connect it, eh? You got to uh, find it. Yeah. It's, it's all about yeah. six degrees of separation, yeah. of course. Um, so. You just chill out during the summer. What are you doing here with your free time in Wilkesbury? Are you binge watching Netflix? Are you <laughs> are you watching football? What are you doing with your life? Well, we got a fantasy football league going, so that's uh, the waiver wire. You know, grinding on that. <laughs> so, so you're into the fantasy football because there are people that join a fantasy football league and sort of monitor it, and then there are people that are like, "No, I'm I came to play. I'm here to win." <laughs> yeah. Where do you fall? I'm like somewhere in the middle there because like. Uh, Honestly, like being from Canada, I never really followed football all that closely. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, you know what? I gotta, <laughs> I gotta win this this year. So I yeah. got, but that's just the mindset. You gotta be competitive, and it's it's fun. It, it honestly takes up a lot of your time, but it's honestly enjoyable to do. Well, so who's your guy? Uh, well, right now Cam Newton. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Slow start. Slow but now start. Tur- turning it up. <laughs> yeah, he's helping. Doing it. what we know Cam yeah. Newton can do. Tough week six. Yeah. A little bit of a tough week six. Yeah. A couple of interceptions. Yeah. No, I know that because. Philadelphia Eagles. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so how are you doing in the league right now? You up, you down, you in the middle? I think I'm 500, so. All right. In the mix. Know. In the mix, yeah. Vying for a playoff spot. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, we're going to sidestep for a quick second or a quick minute. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do the question or three on three first? Let's do the question because we didn't get to do the question in the first episode of the season. So disappointing. Yes. But, <laughs> Nick's but now set it up. We Ex- bring it back. Explain right to on. Kevin what's going on. Kevin. <laughs> what we do here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast is what we do is we have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for our next episode's I guest. I like it. They do not know who they are asking this question to, and it can be about anything in the world. It's yeah. not hockey-related. It can be about anything on this green earth. Kevin, are you interested to know who our last episode's guest was? Sure. Let's go. Uh, well, you can find out, and any fans <laughs> out there, by looking on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins SoundCloud page or following along at skatingonthesusquehanna.com. Kevin, are you ready for the question? <laughs> I am. Kevin, based on your physical attributes, <laughs> if you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be? Ooh. So you can't just pick your favorite dog. Yeah. That's what kind of dog would you be? That's a tough question. It is, because then you really got to think about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably too self-aware to answer this question. I won't like my answer. Oh, okay. Based on my physical attributes. Are we yeah. going with only physical attributes? Um, I suppose you could throw some personality in there, but I think it would be, this is like a scenario where like everyone in the world just like anamorphed into dogs. What would be the closest thing you would turn into? Well, the first thought is golden retriever in my head right now. I don't know. I but I I could see that. Yeah, I can yeah. buy that for sure. I got the actually. hair and I got, got the, the yeah, you, you, and you got the personality. I guess so. I'm just saying. I can buy that for Maybe, sure. Yeah. Little definitely not a definitely not a pit bull. No, <laughs> no, no. I think that's Patty McGrath. <laughs> Patty <laughs> McGrath. Oh, Patty. <laughs> uh, if, we, if we had time, I wish we could just go down. The Every guy in the find a dog. Yeah. Room. <laughs> no. I, you, yeah, yeah, gold retriever's good. All yeah, right. I think oh. that's actually pretty fitting. Yeah. Can I be 
can I be a golden? Uh, can I be a yellow Labrador? Can oh, I do nice. that? Yeah. I mean, sure. Why are you asking us? Well, I you feel should I be wa- telling us. Well, I want to <laughs> feel like is that appropriate? Like I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm a yellow Labrador, and you could be like, what if I was just like, no, no? I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. well, let me just start googling dog breeds then, because <laughs> I don't know what else I would be. Yeah, that's my problem is I don't know that many dog breeds. Like if I see a dog, that's I know thing. it's yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know literally like two dog breeds. Yeah, I know more than that, but yeah, not enough to be like, oh, I would be a Yorkshire whatever. <laughs> like yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, sheepdog. Because the, the problem with this question, the problem, if you will, <laughs> is that it's specifically outlined that you can't just pick your favorite. Because I know what I would want to be, but I don't think I am. I think, like, the coolest dog is just, like, straight up, like, Siberian Husky, like, wolf, descendant of wolves. <laughs> like, I want to be a wolf, but <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think about, I qualify. What about, how do you feel about being a beagle? Ooh. Sure. That's Snoopy, right? Yeah, but I feel like Snoopy does not represent the beagle breed very well. I don't know. I feel like he's the poster boy of beagles. I'm just saying that in terms of, like, when I think of a beagle and how it looks – yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll take Snoopy. it. Yeah. I'm like, all right. I'll take Beagle. All right, so Golden Retriever, Yellow Labrador. Beagle. Beagle. <laughs> Sweet. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, what a, previous guest. What a mix. What yes. a mix. Yeah. I mean, yes. listen, we're, we're going to have a great time in the dog park. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. All right, so that is the first aside segment. But mm-hmm. the okay. next one, th- th- I'm going to take this over here because Go ahead. the question is great, and we'll get a question from you for next week's guest okay. after yeah. we finish this up. But now it's time for the three-on-three. Uh, this is a new segment here for 2017-18. This is the second time ever we're doing this. In this helmet, the three-on-three helmet, are a bunch of random categories. You're going to pick one out, yep. and then each of us have to give our top three in that category. All right. Re- so you get it? Yeah. All right. So shake it all up. <laughs> shake it all So go. three. So just pick one. Pick one for yeah, now. Yeah, pick one. What does it say? Worst style on the team. Top three worst Top styles three on worst the team. Style on the oh team. no! God. All right, that is tough. <laughs> so really, it's a bottom three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is. <laughs> Talk about putting some people on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't. I can. I, I can think of like top three. I can think of on the top ice, three. Off ice style. Worst style. Yeah. All oh. like fashion. Sense. I don't know. I feel like you could get creative with it though. Yeah. Like, there's multiple kinds of style. Sure. It doesn't specifically say, like, fashion sense. Worst mm. style. Worst style. I mean, th- I can think of one right away, and it was a, one- it was a one-off. Because I think Thomas DePauli <laughs> actually dresses pretty well yeah. on a day-to-day yeah. basis. However, yesterday I saw him pink on pink. I'm like, that's not great. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. Plus, plus he's at a bit of an issue state right now because he <laughs> lost so much weight from his new diet over the summer that like <laughs> none of his suits yeah. fit yeah so i go. feel like temporarily thomas DePauli might fit in the top yeah, three mean, just he, by circumstance yeah, yeah he, i mean he'll he'll rock it back up to the top three oh, for yeah. real in short time he'll have a right turnaround. Now. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just the pink on pink it was like two different shades of pink somehow they were just a hair off it's like wearing a navy blue blazer with like <laughs> royal blue pants okay but different. But different. So we throw Trotman in this mix too. Just uh, I mean, that's we're already your, beaten that, on him. I mean, so that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's your call. Yeah, he's you know way that. bigger than both of us. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're gonna. I think we'll, you know, we'll let you handle that. Yeah. <laughs> Worst style on the team. This is a tough question. I it don't is. Know, I, and I know who came up with this. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say you and I. When you and I manage to wear the same exact thing <laughs> on a game day. We've done that a handful yeah. of times. Oh, yeah. I'll throw us in the mix. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just not great. We're like to the point where we start to have to coordinate. Oh, yeah. Like when we have the TV games, folks, you have no idea the games that are broadcast on B-R-E-Y-O-U. We have to text each other in the morning and go through a detailed list of what we are wearing because there was. There's been. Th- I think I can count. Like four or five times where that happened. Like where we, we wore we the will exact show up. same thing. Like no. Like light gray suit, blue shirt, and then like blue tie. The only difference might be like a pattern on the tie, and we look at each other and just like, oh great. How about someone on the team that thinks he's just the most stylish guy, but just oh that's the worst. Yeah, I can't. I honestly can't put a finger on anyone like that here. But I, right. know, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
I can't put it. <laughs> like it's so it's so early. We haven't even really had a road trip. Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to. It's a bad question for early in the season. It's it's a hard eval. Like, I guess it depends on personal preference too. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> JSD can be at the top of your best or top of your worst list easily. Yes. Uh, he takes chances, which I appreciate. Oh, oh he, he takes, takes chances. He takes yeah. chances. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Zach. I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a fan of JSD <laughs> style. Yeah. yeah. But, but I know for a fact there are plenty of guys that chirp him at the yeah. first opportunity for anything. I remember, like, one of the first games I was ever working with the team after the game, JS had, like, this crazy plaid-colored suit. It was, like, dark blue, and then maybe wore, like, a white tie. And TK just, like, said to him from across the room, like, JS, your suit's on inside out. Yeah. <laughs> just like signal with one of those. Oh, By good. the way, Kevin, real quick, is just flying under the radar. He really hasn't thrown out any names. He said trots. He said trots, but that's just because like, well, we're yeah. being up on trots. But yeah. is, it's is, a contribution. Is it Have I thought of anyone else? Is his sti- it style that bad, or are you just throwing out trots? Because no, he's actually Just because you want to bury good. him? Yeah. But he's actually pretty good? I guess. Yeah, I this know. is a tough early season See, I haven't really seen him dressed up too much there, too. Right. So. You know what? I think we just have to chalk up this que- this week's question as – can we provide a top three? We can't. No, we, we, we will. Yep. We, I'm going we, to. I'm we going may, to. We need to maybe revisit this question. No, I'm <laughs> digging in. I'm <laughs> digging in, and I'm going to do it right now. Go. Top three. Three, Zach Trotman. There Thanks, Kevin, for throwing that in there. <laughs> Two, Thomas DePauli, but only for, like, the next three weeks until he gets new suits. And one, Nick Hart. All right. Yeah. There it is. And I'm taking your top three, and I'm also giving it to Kevin. So our top three <laughs> is yeah. your top three. There you go. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, listen, we need to sign off here on this segment because Kevin's got to get out of here. You have a, you have a tea time coming up, don't you? Yeah. I guess a uh, couple guys going out, swing the sticks. And where's <laughs> the golf game at right now? Like, Oh, God, I don't know. Not great, not good, yeah. awesome. Let's revisit that question a little later, too. <laughs> <laughs> What's your strong point? Drives? Drives, for Irons sure. Irons or putts? Yeah. Uh, drives. It's okay. the funnest part, but, yeah. <laughs> Not bad putter, too. That's a All right. That's where you see so the strokes. So the, yeah. the beginning and the end yeah. and the middle, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where yeah. it needs some Yeah, work. the irons, yeah. Well, listen, congratulations on a, a great start to the season so far. Welcome to the organization. It's great having you in the locker room, and uh, thanks for joining us here. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate this. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Wilkes-Barre's Granton Penguins podcast. For Kevin Churchman and Nick Hart, Nick, say bye. Peace out, friends. I'm Michael Bryan. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.